The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, that you should get a mohawk. That's what you should do. I'd be pretty rad. Maybe just a spike collar? Your silence says that that's a bad idea. Okay. Wear your regular collar then. That's fine. And I'm getting flipped off by Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. True. This is true. All right. So, you said we have Mesa murders. I'm West Mesa. West Mesa murders. Yep. Got to be from the southwest somewhere. Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's right, because that's what I, what I think of when I think Mesa's. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like uh, New Mexico, maybe parts of Texas, Arizona. maybe Arizona. Yeah. Things I always like thought, that. I always thought Arizona, but no, I was wrong. Yeah, that would make the most sense. But yeah. Yeah. No, this is a who done it Wednesday. Sweet. Yeah. Who did it? Who did? It? I don't know who did it. Um, this is a who done it Wednesday. It's an unsolved case. Um, between the years of 2001 and 2005, a total of 11 women were 11 females were buried in an <laughs> arroyo or dry creek stream or stream bed. Did you know what that arroyo was? I did because oh. and it, well, then there's only one reason because I'd heard the word before, but I never just I was always lost over it. But uh, I am a huge fan of a guy named Stephen F. Havel. He writes uh, the Posadas County Mysteries. Okay. And uh, the, the ones that I enjoy the most feature under Sheriff, there becomes Sheriff uh, Bill Gassner. Um, But then it, it goes on. But, yeah, they mention the Arroyos all the time yeah. because it's based out of New Mexico. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, this was on the Albuquerque's West Ma- Banks of Albuquerque's West Mesa. The burial area was located in a yet-to-be-developed de- to area inside city limits. There have been satellite images from that area that were taken from 2004. The images showed distinct tire tracks and sections where the soil had been disturbed in the exact area where the remains were uncovered. By 2006, the developments had encroached on the same area. After that, the site itself was disturbed before it was plated for the residential development going in. Don't you just hate it when somebody moves into your burial site where you're dumping your no bodies? No shit, yo. Hey, be considerate, contractors. Leave a man's dump site yeah. alone. Well, check this out. With the 2008 housing bubble collapse, the development on that on that west side had drawn to a complete halt before housing could be built at the actual burial site. A little while later, the residents already in the area started to complain about the flooding that was going on at the plated site caused by the underground natural arroyo. Okay. The arroyo. Yeah. Thank you. Anyways, the area developer agreed to build a retaining wall that would channel the stormwater and force it to drain into a retention pond that was built in an approximate location. Building the retaining wall is what inadvertently exposed the remains. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Because on Monday, February 2nd, uh, 2009, a lady by the name of Christine Ross was out walking her dog along the dried out wash in Albuquerque, New Mexico. All of a sudden, Ruka, the dog, came back carrying a bone that to Christine resembled a human femur. She snapped a picture of it with her cell phone and sent the photo to her sister, who was a nurse. Her sister says, uh, that highly resembles a femur. So she called the authorities. She soon found out that her dog had uncovered a burial location of 11 dead bodies. Damn. This still unsolved crime has come to be known as the West Mesa murders. So she had a cadaver dog and didn't even freaking know I it. I know, right? God dang, that's some tri- I bet you that dog was sneaking out at night going to night school to learn how to do that. That's what it was. <laughs> He's like, hey, is, she, is Christina asleep? Hey, I got to go. Okay, hold on, Rover. I'm jumping out the window right now. It's time for class. <laughs> yes, I've got my book bag. Yep. I'm coming. Leave me alone. I'm coming. No, we won't be late for class. I got our keys. We'll drive. Yeah. So this case has been called the most disturbing murder case Albuquerque police had ever seen. Because of disturbing the dirt? No. <laughs> After recovering all the remains, it took almost a full year for the county medical examiners to identify who the remains belonged to. All of the victims were female, and most of them were of Hispanic descent. The age range of the victims was 15 to 32, and they had all been reported, well, some of them had reported missing sometime between 2001 and 2005. But all being Hispanic, all joking aside, doesn't really shock me, because when you're talking like Arizona or New Mexico, anywhere in the Southwest, it's got a high concentration of Hispanic families. Right. You know, uh, and then the further you go north, of course, you get less and less concentration all in all until you hit uh, until you hit Canada, because I don't think they even allow Mexicans in there. Yeah. So but hang on, I was correcting some of my typos (laughs) because Canada is super white. Super. Like they uh, like when I was going up to Calgary all the time, I've made this joke, but it's very accurate. You drive around Calgary, you'll see East Indians. Okay. And you'll see like one, maybe two black folks and some Arabs and a very few Asians are spread out and a whole sea of white. (laughs) So like, and I feel, if I was to commit a crime there, I could blend into the crowd. They'd be like, it's a bald white dude, you know, with a big ass. They'd be like, oh, congratulations. That's all of Canada. Good description. But if you're, like, black, they'd be like, yeah, that's Fontaine. Oh, he lives over on West 3rd Street in apartment number four. No, we know exactly who he is. That's just, like, two black guys in all of Calgary. Yeah. (laughs) I know, because we talked about it before. Isn't that, like, a prerequisite that if one goes missing, they have to find another one? That was my joke with my (laughs) ex-wife. If if one passes on or something like that, they go, okay, well, we can take one more. Call the border. (laughs) No, ship him over. We need one more. We need one. One. Just (laughs) One, one. That's all. If they, and if one has a baby, they go, oh, we don't know what to tell you. You need to pick somebody out, somebody to kick out. Who, who, who's single with no kids? Okay. Yeah. Jerome, you're out, man. <laughs> you, you need to take your ass somewhere else because we're at a quota. Yeah. So all but one of the 11 victims had a link to the sex trade, which is what initially helped the police investigation. They soon found out they were looking for a serial killer that they had come to call the West Mesa Bone Collector. However, to this day, there are only theories as to who the perpetrator actually is. They even called on the help of an FBI profiler, but have still not been able to identify the killer. 
Uh, there have been some promising leads, however. So far, they have all led to dead ends, which has only helped clear suspects, not really point them in the direction of who committed the crimes. Detectives in the case have come to realize how easy it is for a serial killer to get around and how often they actually leave the area before their victims can be discovered. We've run into this before, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I feel bad for the sex trade workers, and this isn't one of my jokes, Oh, I folks. get into it a little later, too. Yeah, you know, because they're a vulnerable people mm-hmm. because no one gives a fuck. You know, they go, it's just a dead hooker until you find a whole bunch of them. They, then all of a sudden, it's like law enforcement goes, oh, we have to find who's killing all these dead prostitutes. Because here's the problem with it. If, if the person's only killing prostitutes, mm-hmm. occasionally they pick up people who aren't. Yes. And they kill them too. But they don't give a shit about the prostitutes. They, they, they never do. Yeah. And hey, a job's a job. I, yeah. I, I've mentioned this on a few of our episodes. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're a prostitute, if you pick up dog crap, if you're me, if you're the president, all life has a, has a value. Yeah. Maybe not our current president, but I digress. <laughs> but uh, that's because I'm looking at the gas prices just shaking my head. It was over 100 bucks to fill my tank. Ew. Yeah. Because, yeah, I have that giant fucking monstrosity of a truck. Yeah. But, um... So every, every life has a value. Isn't gas cheaper pure than it is down on the other side? No. no? It, just, it depends. Oh. I, actually, yeah. Well, I got it here cheaper than I could even get it uh, over an organ at See, Fred See, I don't Myers. mind pumping my own gas. No, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't yeah. make two shits to me. Um, but uh, if, if it's a sex trafficker, you know, so somebody who's in the sex trade, if it's a stripper, if it's um, somebody who's indigent or homeless, right. nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, nobody cares. Until somebody who doesn't fit that criteria right. is in that same victim pool. Then all of a sudden, they're all, oh, we're looking hard. We're working hard to try to find this horrible yeah. killer. Why didn't you give a fuck when these other people were disappearing? Yeah. That's my question to law enforcement. Yeah, well. Not saying they're not doing their job. No, By the but way, I get there's into there's some it great a cops little, out there. I'll but get into it a little later. That's one of my fucking sore spots. Yeah. Gives me a red ass. So, um, where was I? Oh, so after Christine reported her dog Ruka's discovery, police detectives began combing the, combing the underdeveloped area of the West Mesa in the vicinity of 118th Street Southwest. They spent weeks there in order to uncover all 11 of the shallow graves. They discovered that these 11 grave sites held the bodies of two teenage girls and nine adult women. One of the women, 22-year-old Gina Michelle Valdez, was four months pregnant when she was murdered and buried. Christ. The only pattern that emerged from the beginning was that 10 of the women were either known prostitutes or victims of sex trafficking in some way. The one victim that did not have a direct link to the sex trade had an indirect one. That was 15-year-old Jamie Barella. She uh, was reported missing when she and her 27-year-old cousin, Evelyn Salazar, had gone for a walk to a local park in 2004 and never returned. Her cousin was known in the sex industry and found buried next to her when the remains were discovered. Ten of the 11 victims were born and raised in the state of New Mexico and of Hispanic descent. 
The only one that didn't fit that pattern was 15-year-old Selenia Edwards. She was the only victim that was from out of state, and she was of African-American descent. She had been classified as an endangered runaway in 2003. I thought you were going to say endangered species. No, from Lawton, Oklahoma. No. And reports indicate that Selenia was last seen in May of 2004 in the company of three sex workers in Aurora, Colorado. Police reports suggest that she she may have been using the name Mimi or Chocolate, and she may have been staying at the Ranger Motel. Now, police have promised the victims' families that there will be justice in their loved ones' cases. However, the only thing that the authorities have found has been the bodies of the 11 victims. The only DNA recovered at the burial site has been identified as belonging to the victims. In addition to the four victims already named, the remaining seven are 22-year-old Monica Candelaria, 26-year-old Victoria Chavez, 24-year-old Virginia Cloven, 32-year-old Cinnamon Elks, 24-year-old Doreen Marquez, 24-year-old Julie Nito, and 28-year-old Veronica Romero. Really? Now, her name was Cinnamon? Cinnamon Elks. That, that, that's her like birth name? That's what they gave me, yes. Somebody actually named their child Cinnamon. Yes. I have a friend in, I had a friend in grade school whose name was Rainbow, and what, her what? sister's name was Star. Okay, here's a PSA. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I can't believe I gotta tell people this shit. It's 2021, people. Don't name your kids retarded fucking shit like Rainbow and Star or Cinnamon or Vanilla or th- th- those aren't fucking names. Pajama. Pajama? <laughs> yeah, that was another one. Do you mean Pajama? No. <laughs> oh my God, I named my kid Pajama. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I'll never forget that. Or Cherry Love. <laughs> that's your heart her. surgeon, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's who, uh, you know, I trust her if I ever got into, I, I swear, if, if I was talking to my attorneys and they said, okay, Scott, so we got a new partner that we're going to bring on to your cases, which her name is Cherry Love, I'd be like, um, no. <laughs> no, matter of fact. I'm going to look for new attorneys. I don't care if she went to Harvard Law. Yeah, I don't care if she was top of her class because you say Cherry Love in my head. When she gets to the office, the first thing I hear is, and she's like working the pole. She's like, I'm only doing this to get through college while you guys are stuffing dollar bills in her G-string. I don't want somebody like that looking at my contracts. It scares me. It scares me a lot. Yeah. So the sad part, according to a University of New Mexico professor and true crime author, Dirk Gibson, is there hasn't been the degree of public fear and alarm that you might expect. There has been very little publicity and there's a sense of physical remoteness. This place was very removed. There has been little pressure on the police to investigate. So... um, When the authorities began their investigation, the FBI took on one task and the Albuquerque Police Department took on another. The FBI agents set about creating their suspect profiles and the local authorities hit the streets. They were able to gather little information from the victims' grieving families. They also spoke to other people around the area trying to get a clearer picture. This endeavor only helped determine when each victim was last seen alive. It still didn't give them any idea as to how they died or who killed them. The victims were able to get, they were able to get the most information about were Jamie Barella and her cousin, Evelyn Salazar, the cousin, you know, the two cousins. Right, right, right. And that's only because they were attending a family function before they vanished. 
There were very few details about the other victims. When the other victims suddenly disappeared, and this is due to their chosen line of work, or in some cases, their forced servitude. Tragically, and we've seen this multiple times, uh, people who work in the sex trade are practically the easiest targets for any serial killer. Oh, I should have kept my mouth shut because you're yeah. going to say exactly what I said. Yeah, since they are generally separated from their families, they com- the community around them is blind to their existence. Therefore, nobody really notices when they're no longer around. In the case of the West Mesa murders, most of them hadn't even been reported missing. Nobody realized they were gone until the remains were discovered and identified. And I brought that up with the homeless population, yep. too. And I don't even like the homeless population because they just leave garbage everywhere. But if two or three of them went missing, yeah. would they even be reported? Well, probably not. They probably think, hey, Hobo Joe and you know his friends moved the hell along. Yeah. You know, it's, well, and that's what they think about prostitutes, too. Yeah. Who say, are no longer the on the way. corner. They just think, oh, they up and moved or, you know. Right. You know, or they had a problem with their pimp or a John and they got the shit knocked at them. So they're going to be out of circulation for a little while. Yeah. And people quickly forget. Yeah. You know, it's it's a sad fact of life. True. So the authorities did get one lead that gives me the chills. Uh, they were able to obtain a satellite image. And I talked about it briefly, which gave a clear picture of the burial site. In the image, you can clearly see distinct tire tracks that lead right to the area where the bodies were buried. However, by 2009, when the bodies were discovered, all of the development had, that had gone on in the area had totally wiped out the tire track evidence. So they can't just follow the no. tracks like Scooby-Doo would to no. go, you know, uh, let's see who's behind the mask. It's Mr. No. Jones. Yeah. So from 2009, when the bodies were discovered, the detectives on the case dwindled. Sadly, in 2016, there was only one detective working on the West Mesa murder case full time. You know who they need? The detective that busted Shipman. Oh, I know. From England. From England. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Okay, okay. New Mexico, Albuquerque area. You listen to our Shipman show, you get that detective. Cause He'll help you. Dude is good. He yeah. can track down. I don't care if your killer moved to a hut in the middle of Zimbabwe. Hey, and that's my favorite I, word. <laughs> You'd like that one. And nobody knows his name. Dude will find him. <laughs> yeah. Dude will Miles find them. Yep, Miles Rango will... Ringo, right? No, I said Michael Swango. He's Swango. the one that went to Zimbabwe. No, uh, I can't remember the guy's name right uh, Yeah, That's right. I can't remember his name either. I was trying to remember his yeah, name. Yeah, he's detective from... But you know. dude will bring him... He'll bring your dude to justice, I guarantee you. It's, yeah. He, he, he is the ninja of being a detective. Yeah, exactly. Um, by 2016, Detective Mark Marinay had interviewed at least 200 of... 200 of the women in the area who have similar backgrounds to the victims. With those interviews, he was able to create timelines for every suspect they had. Unfortunately, that timeline has only been able to rule out individuals, not point to any. According to Morani, many persons of interest have been limited by means of that timeline. Um, Using the timelines, detective has set about trying to find a suspect. Um, Like I said, most were eliminated. However, there are still two suspects on the list that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, The first suspect is a guy by the name of Joseph Blea, B-L-E-A. When the bodies were discovered, he was actually in prison on other charges. He was put on the suspect list when the authorities received a call from his ex-wife. Apparently, her daughter had discovered items in their home that were suspicious. The items 
included unfamiliar women's clothing and some odd pieces of jewelry. Later, some of the victim's family members reported that their loved one had some missing jewelry, but they haven't, as far as I could find out, linked it to the jewelry that she found yet. Um, However, that's not the only reason he's a suspect. Between 1990 and 2009, in a 19-year time span, authorities had a total of 140 encounters with this man. Holy shit. Yeah, the encounters occurred in the areas where the victims were known to hang out, and the areas were also well known for their heavy drug presence. If you wanted to score, you went there. Um, When he was arrested in 2003, after he exposed himself to a woman, police searched his car. Inside, they discovered he had a collection of electrical tape and some rope. Reports say that the authorities had also seen him acting suspiciously after the murders, almost as he he were stalking the local prostitutes. Um, Yeah, his prison cellmate came forward with some information as well. According to him, Blay talked about knowing quite a few of the victims, and he claims he even assaulted one of them when she allegedly tried to steal some money of his on one occasion. See, that's what happens. You have to knock a bitch down when uh, that hoe try to steal your money. I hate you. (laughs) Unfortunately, all of this evidence is circumstantial, and as of now, they have failed to link him directly to the murders. If he is the killer, he is currently serving a 90-year prison sentence um, as he racked up a series of sexual assault cases between 1980 and 1990. So, you know... Um, so when we take into that into consideration, it's quite possible he may be the actual killer since the incidents of sexual assault he was charged with happened prior to the murders. It fits a standard escalation process. Keep in mind, the authorities have estimated that the murders occurred between 2001 and 2005. That's because 2001 is when the women started to disappear and 2005 is when they expanded the development in the area. Gotcha. Okay. The satellite image was from 2004, which fits the timeline of when Blade was arrested. Hmm. Okay. So another man by the name of Lorenzo Montoya was well known in the area for picking up prostitutes and beating them up. Wait a minute. Hold on. Did he ever look at him and go, my name is Lorenzo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That was Indigo Montoya, but no. Well, it could have been his brother or a cousin. Could have been. You never know. I'm trying to help the man out. He was If busy. it was his cousin, he'd have said, you killed my uncle, now prepare to die. Either way, you never know. So he could have killed his dad. I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe he was busy avenging his father's death. Maybe you're a dick. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yes. Why? I can't even speculate anymore. Jesus Christ. <laughs> prepare to die. Um, let's see. Uh, there was even an incident when he assaulted his girlfriend. According to her, Montoya threatened to kill me and bury me in time. That's her words. Oh, in Lyme. Excuse me, not in time. Oh, in Lyme. Okay. In Lyme. However, in 2006, he hooked up with a dancer that he ended up strangling to death. When the dancer's boyfriend showed up and saw what happened, he shot Montoya and killed him. When Montoya was shot, he had been holding a flashlight at his feet near his vehicle. His victim was found wrapped up in a blanket. Despite him fitting the profile, (laughs) the authorities have not have been unable to link him to the West Mason murders definitively. Even with two viable suspects, the lack of concrete evidence is the reason this case has remained unsolved. 
The sad part is this is a case that will probably always be unsolved. True crime author Dirk Gibson says he also has no faith that this case will be solved in the near future. And this is his words. He says, the authorities lack the incentives that are necessary to find the true suspect. Oh, can I, can I interject something with that one? I agree. You want to know why? Because all of them have at least a link to sex workers. Right. None of them are upper middle class or upper upper class. Nothing like that. And I've brought this up before. Like if, if something was to happen to me because I pay huge amounts of taxes... They would be like, we have to find the killer immediately. Oh, my God. Because, you know, he's dead and somebody murdered him. Right. If something happened to my Mexican neighbors next door, which I don't even like them. But sadly, they'd be like, eh, okay, we're going to give it a perfunctory look. Yeah. But uh, what's the incentive? Yeah. And that's that's the thing right there. Well, yeah. And Dirk... uh Gibson has his his quote is Albuquerqueans don't relate to the victims. They think they're just a bunch of hookers and drug addicts. Police budgets are stretched thin. There's so little money and there are so many crimes investigating a 10 year old crime where the police think that the victim had it coming. There's just no incentive for that. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. uh, I was going to bring that up, too, because they, they want. Don't hate me, police, especially Vancouver PD. Don't hate me any more than you already fucking do when I get pulled over. But they they go after people who kill upper class type of people because they want the people that pay the huge amounts of taxes. Yeah, or if the media. Yeah, or if the media gets has involved. A special interest but because they, in they want everybody to feel like like they're being protected. Yeah, let's. Cut to the brass taxes of this. It's tax. I love saying taxes just to see that look on your face. You should have seen my mom's face when she heard that episode when you first said that phrase. (laughs) She looked at me. She goes, did he just? I said, yes, he did. And I do it on purpose. (laughs) They don't give a fuck about you. They They care about everybody feeling like they're going to get protected Mm -hmm. by the cost. But... Your protection comes down to your income level. Yeah. Just like being represented in court. You know, there's a big difference between a public defender and having a team of inter- attorneys this on is your true side. This too. Huge, huge night and day difference. The scales of justice are not well balanced. They aren't. And, and she's not blind. And she ain't blind. She looks at your goddamn bankroll and determines whether you're going to go to prison and get the death penalty. Her blindfold slips. Yeah. And she goes, oh. That's a nice little fucking balance you got there inside your accounts. You're going to get the best, the, the, the best possible yeah. outcome. Oh, look at you. You're kind of indigent. You're going to get not so good of an outcome. Yeah. And it's the same way when they're, when they're looking for killers. They, they, they want to give the illusion. And I'm not saying every police department because I don't know every police department. I'm just saying the majority of them that I've noticed yeah. are like this. That, you know, based on what you do for a living... And the amount of money that you make yeah. determines how hard they're going to work on your fucking case. Yeah. And it's, it, it's sad. It really is. And I agree with this author who said that, mm-hmm. um, you know, police department budgets are, are spread thin. They because, are. And, and here's the reason. People like me, I'm not out there committing crimes. I'm not murdering True. anybody. I'm not robbing stores. So you're stores. not paying restitution and shit. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. so they're not, they, they don't have to worry about me. Right. But if I step out of my situation and look at like North Portland, mm-hmm. North Portland, pretty rough fucking area, not as bad as South Central LA or, you know, like right. New York, you know, any place like that. But, um, well, North Portland's getting gentrified lately too. So. I saw that, man. It's like all the gays are moving in and making yeah, it beautiful. It's now. I tell you what. We'll get back to what I've seen in a second. I appreciate the homosexuals and the gay, you know, all the gay community. And let me tell you why. People always, I, for a lot of times, I don't want none of them bags living next to me. Yeah, you do. You want to know why? Because they're going to move next to your shithole little house. They're going to gentrify the area. The place is going to look fucking fabulous. And then your property values of your little cracker box shithole is going to go up 100, 200%. Because people are, oh my God, now I have to live here. Look at it. It's absolutely fabulous. And the lawns look great. You know, Dan's house looks like crap, but he drinks box wine. Um, but everybody else's house just looks fantastic. So I, I want to move it in. I need something here to throw at you. <laughs> I need a boomerang so I can throw it and it'll come back to me. I like picking on poor Dan. I got to actually meet him. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm not going to pick on him right off. I'm going to give him a couple of times before I pick on that, car- that, that Pixar character. I hate you. But yeah, that's that. That was my whole point behind it, though. Uh, on a, back to the serious note, is that it all comes down to what you do for a living yeah. and your bankroll. It has, you know, the the budgets are really thin. These cops are out there, and they're trying to, you know, keep people from selling dope and from killing each other, and you know, and trying to get prostitutes off the street and shit like that. Yeah. And there's not enough money to go around. Yeah. And jails get overcrowded. True. We saw that during the, the during the pandemic. Oh, my God, yes. Where they were saying, hey, we're overcrowded because of all these damn criminals. we got to release some motherfuckers. Yeah. Because we've got no room and this disease is spreading. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. I probably had more, but, you know, my brain shut down because I was just thinking about Dan and his well, wife beater. Stop it. Drinking his box wine. So, anyways, I do have some final thoughts, and then I'll get into my questions. But you pretty much, I pretty much, you know, echo your thoughts. It, that it shouldn't surprise me that we have once again come across another unsolved case like this. Uh, where several women who are known or associated with the sex trade industry are murdered and nobody seems to care. Um, At their core, the authorities think that the women in some way deserve what happened. Due to their chosen profession and their drug habits, they are somehow responsible for their own death. Then we add in the attitude of the local communities. There are only two groups of people that truly care what happened to the victims. The first group consists of the other prostitutes in the area that are still working the streets. They care. Right, because it's it's a dangerous thing. Yes. Number two, the second group consists of the victim's family members. Other than that, no, there is nobody from the community putting pressure on the authorities to solve this case. What disgusts me is what the authorities prom- that the authorities promise the family's justice. However, when you look at the case, they aren't putting any real effort into that. Um, I can't stand it when somebody says they'll do something, yet don't make any effort to follow through. Um, granted, they have never publicly stated that the victims had it coming. That... They chose their line of work and therefore they should accept the risks involved. But when you look at their actions, it's almost as if they're screaming it. No, I agree. You know, silence is deadly. Um, They are making it obvious that finding the West Mesa murder suspect is the least of their priorities. Um, Now, 
I do have some questions. I, and I know we don't have very much information on this case, but I dug deep and still haven't uncovered much. It's almost as if there's a closely guarded secret that keeps information from reaching the public. Regardless, I do have a few questions. Of the two suspects that I mentioned, does one stand out more than the other one? Sort of. The first one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Joseph. Yeah, because I... Montoya does a little bit only because of the dead body. but Next to him, yeah. Right next to him, but... I don't think that our killer who's burying 11 people in a fucking desert is stupid enough to get caught and shot, obviously, Yeah. by this dude's, by this chick's boyfriend. Correct. Uh, the first dude, history of violence, yeah. history the of escalate. Sex- I mean, and if you factor in the fact that the murders happened after his rapes. Yeah. Then it's like the cycle of, you know, the evolution of the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm tumbling yeah. around right there. It's all kind of mixing up in my in my brain pan currently. But yeah, that's... Yeah. So do you think that there are more victims? Oh, yeah. Out there that... I'll, I'll bet dollars to donuts that this is just one of a few dump sites. And the thing about, like, New Mexico... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of desert. Oh, there is. Just a like Arizona time. and Nevada. Well, they say that that's why they haven't found the toy box victims yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's right out there. They're not going to find a lot of victims uh, until they do more and more development due to urban sprawl. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I only 11 victims. I think this person was on a roll. Right, exactly. Um, let's see here. You kind of answered my question about, do you think the police are trying to find a suspect or are they content leaving it unsolved? They're just giving it lip service. I think so, too. That's all they're doing. They're giving it lip service. Do you think that there's anything that can be done to get them to prioritize this case? No. You're talking a 10-year-old case, and you know what they're going to use, which is, it's a legit excuse. They're going to say, hey, we've got all these other unsolved cases, and then we have our current load of criminals that we're trying to apprehend, and you know we're trying to thwart crime. So we yeah. can't do a 10-year-old case, because no. all we have is bones. All we can do is all we can do, which is, it's legit. Mm-hmm. However... No, I, I had a thought, too, as I was writing this, but I'll wait To directly guarantee the families, uh, there will be justice. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, to let's, me that was disgusting. Let's be real. I think the the appropriate response to that would be like, "Hey, look, we're going to do everything we can, yeah, to find this person and bring him to justice." But don't promise them. You can't guarantee that yeah. shit. Well, and I had the thought as I was writing this that the only thing to me, the only thing that probably prioritized the case is if they found other victims buried somewhere and it was a and there was somebody in there that was not in the sex trade industry or related to it. Right. Somebody who's a little bit better off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, upper middle class. And yeah. Above. No, I mean, it's, and it's sad to say that, but you mean, I if, mean, if it's just a chick working at a local yeah, Wendy's or something, I they're not going to give a shit. I don't ever wish harm on anybody, but I, I just know that that's what it's going to take, you know? I agree. Um, do you think, is there anything that can be done to convince society as a whole that a person's lifestyle shouldn't be a factor in solving their murder? Sadly, no, because everybody, it, it comes back to media if you think about it. Every movie that we watch, um, story that we read, book that we read, 
um, when it comes to anybody who is a prostitute mm -hmm. or a drug user, they're always given in that negative light. Yeah. You know, and when when you're talking about that, it, it, it's like that is their lifestyle for the rest of their life. And they're never going to change because they're always going to be a hooker or they're always going to be uh, a drug user. And we know we know different than that. You and oh, I. Yeah. I mean, because you and I are both junkies. Yeah. Um, that I haven't have people used... all the time that tell me that I'm still using to this. Day. I'm like, where? When? <laughs> yeah. You know, where and, is it? I miss it. <laughs> and you, you and I are clean. Yeah. Um. You know, so people can change over time. I don't think that a hooker is going to be a hooker for the rest of her life. No. I think that if, if he or she changes, because there's male hookers too, mm -hmm. then they can make that change. But that's up to them. And I'm not even saying that being a hooker is, a, is not an honest trade. Right. Because, hey, I've, I've seen a lot. I've, I've watched a lot of bullshit docu documentaries. And one was on the sex trade. Mm -hmm. And there's some women that... While it is dangerous, they these are they're, they're hookers. They're not like the streetwalkers that you see like from the nineteen seventies movies. No, that step up to the car. Hey, honey, do you need some company for tonight? You know, type of a thing. These these, no. these are these are call girls. That's their job. And you know right. what? They're not doing it to get dope money or anything no. like that. They're doing it. To, they're paying their bills. That's just their yeah. job. It's something that they enjoy doing. They're putting themselves through college. They're putting their kids through school, you know? There's some that do it just because they don't have kids or anything. That's just yeah, what that's they enjoy too. doing. They enjoy fucking and they enjoy making a paycheck and really it's no different than being a porn star because we 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 take porn stars and we idolize them oh we totally you know we say janet jameson look what the great the great job she did she was in a million porns or whatever now she owns her own porn company type of a thing um uh who was it uh linda lovelace from oh, deep yeah. throat we 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 exonerate them from mm -hmm. that but at the end of the day guess what they're hookers they are doing exactly what a hooker oh, yeah. does they are trading sex for money and the only difference is one's on film and one's not and one is not being distributed to the porn outlets yeah that's the only difference well and then you also look at it this way too is because it's just been up until recent years where people stop blaming even society as a whole stop blaming women for being raped Oh, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, well, you wore that outfit. You did, you know, you must have deserved it. You must have been asking for it. Yep. Okay. Just because I choose to wear short shorts does not mean I invite somebody to attack me sexually. I can relate to that. Oh my God. No, I let bet me you tell can, you. Can't let you? me tell you exactly how. Please enlighten me, Scott. Sorry, I get a tear in my eye because it, it was traumatic. Please tell me we have something I can throw at him. When I came home with that new barbecue. No, no, that's not gonna work. And <laughs> it's too soft. <laughs> a crazy lady rubbed my butt. <laughs> Dude, that was so awesome. Don't laugh at me. That this was is, awesome. This is hard for me, <laughs> bitches. And she said, I like you too. I wasn't even wearing anything sexy. I wasn't in my G string. I was in a pair of basketball shorts and a t shirt. No, you weren't, thank God. <laughs> I was here that day. <laughs> I was not dressed sexy or anything, and then I was molested like that. <laughs> that you oh know what? God. I wish you'd do that more often. You're disgusting. <laughs> I am a victim of that sexual assault. You just don't even know how that pleased me that day. <laughs> You're an asshole. I am still creeped out. Still creeped out by that. Yeah. Fucking... 90 fucking year old woman rubbing my backside. <laughs> I like she you, likes you too. too, Scott. Ugh, I have <laughs> nightmares. 
about that. Uh, yeah, well, and my last question kind of like coincides with that one, too, is will there ever be a time when even the most high-risk individual can feel as if the community cares about what happens to them? Probably not. Probably huh? not. I would like to say that as a society that we're maturing. Yeah. And that eventually that the vast majority of people will sit there and go, hey, you know what? People like Scott are right. Every life has a value. Right. But the sad truth of it is... Most people, the vast majority, don't give a shit about anybody yeah. else but themselves and their immediate family and friends. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that's the sad truth of it. Mm-hmm. Because they don't care about the people who are hooking or somebody who's having a bad time using drugs. Yeah. They care about their immediate family. True. Unless somebody in their immediate family has that problem. Yeah. And even then, they only care about that individual. They don't care about that. That part of society, right, as a whole. That's true. And I, that's like true. I said, I wish I had better news on that, but that's well, just no, how I I'm do seeing too. it. I mean, I just, I think it's, you know, sometimes we just need to think about, you know, how we treat others, and you know what I mean. And would we care? Exactly. That's why, honestly, as my, as many jokes as I make and things like that, I try to treat people most of the time with as much kindness in my heart that I can. Most of the time, I mean, I do have my moments where my bitch switch gets flipped, but. Yeah. You know, most of the time I try to be a very kind person, you know, and I, I really wish that more people, not tooting my horn, but would follow that example. Yeah. Treat others with a little bit of kindness, a little bit of dignity. Yeah. You know. Get li- somebody's story before you pass a judgment. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I, I don't know what's up with the homeless population. I know that, you know, I don't like driving by tons of trash. Yeah. But, you know, there, there, there might be somebody in that homeless camp. That is there for a, a reason, like they're they're not all mentally there or whatever. Right. I don't know their fucking story, and I fit into that category where I don't fucking care. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna sit there and get everybody's story. True. It's it's sad but true. Yeah. Well, no, I I agree with you. I just think that you know, it just makes me so mad when I do these cases. Some of these, <laughs> no, some of the whodunit cases just really piss me off. No, yeah, because me too. I feel like. There's no effort involved in trying to find the person. That Correct. Them. You know what I mean? Not so much, you know, everything else. It's just there's no effort. Well, I agree. And that pisses me off. I totally agree. So, but I'm done. I'm finished. Good. <laughs> she just mouthed fuck you to me. I think that's Why a sexual tell assault. Everybody? It is because not. Because that's a sexual assault as well. It was not. I got old women grabbing my butt, you saying fuck you. God dang. I can't win, can I? You can't. <laughs> Maybe you should be nicer to people. Me in particular, but whatever. I am nice to you. I'm trying to give your mom a good time. So How is that nice to me? Because she'll be happier. She'd be like, I had a great night. Scott took me to the Sausage Fest. I wore a Catwoman outfit. It was good times. I fucking hate you. <sighs> Breaking my heart. Hate you. Remember to check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon link because it helps out the show. It doesn't cost you any more money. You can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. That way there you can tell Tammy that... She shouldn't be trying to cock block me and I can take out her mom. Just saying. Show her my sausage vest. 
Check out our blogs. We're featured on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, Vocal Media, and Hub Pages, and tons of other outlets because we get getting picked up. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.